All right, everyone. It's uh, it's David Barnett, and I'm back again with another holiday chat special for 2019. This time, I've got Gregory and Marina on the line. Hey, how are you today? We're good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing really well. And uh, Gregory, you're you're actually the second caller this season uh, who's gone through Business Buyer Advantage, and so I wanted to start off just by asking you how you uh, what you thought of the program. Okay, so the program is very, very practical. Uh, basically, I have uh, almost zero experience in business. And it was like, uh, I don't know, like a, an, a, an introduction. Although after the introduction, I feel uh, more or less prepared to, to make the move, to purchase a company, you know, to start spending money. Before that, I was afraid of even thinking about starting a business okay. or buying one. Well, well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate the feedback. Um, so, so why don't you tell me a little bit about you and your situation and, uh, and how I might be able to help you out during the call today? Okay, so uh, me and Marina have uh, arrived to Canada a week ago with, mm-hmm. uh, um, let's say, some amount of money. We have left our jobs uh, in, uh, in Israel and... Uh, we decided that we need the change mm-hmm. and uh, the change starts from uh, moving here, but then uh, what, what next? And uh, we found uh, your YouTube channel and then the Buyer Advantage program and decided then this is what we, we are going to do next. We are going to buy a business for us to, to just, you know, to, to get into it, mm-hmm. to start uh, generating cash instead of uh, wasting it. And we need to to build some kind of strategy now. Okay, so you've you've literally just arrived in Canada a week ago, and you have money in the bank. You, which obviously you're you're living off of, so you need to get a cash flow going. Yeah, I understand your situation exactly. Can you give me a little bit of background about what experience you have, what kind of work you used to do? Okay, so uh, we both uh, worked for. IT companies. For IT companies for more than 10 years. We, we were managing small teams. Uh, Marina has a great experience with uh, software and quality. Okay. And uh, I was working for uh, electronics development. Okay. So software, electronics, IT space sort of. Yeah. And is that one of the reasons why you moved to Waterloo in Ontario? Because it, it is a technology center? Well, one of them, um, we do have a few, let's say, distant dreams about uh, getting into, into that business that we left as employees, mm-hmm. although at the moment it doesn't seem that uh, this would be a good start. Right. So, so you were thinking that you might start a business in this field? Um, maybe. Actually, we we even have uh, one customer at the moment for some small project. But uh, but to tell you the truth, starting a business in uh, electronics seems way way too expensive. Yeah, and buying it seems even more expensive. I don't know. I didn't find any R and D company on uh, online, so I believe this is far away from from the range that we can can reach at this moment. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because if you're, if you're talking about a business that is pursuing some kind of new thing, you know, 
a lot of these businesses are started. And if you, if, in the world of electronics, if you get into things like, you know, wiring assemblies or small batch manufacturing, things like that, there are companies out there that do that, that, that get bought and sold and things like this. Um, but if it's, if it's, you know, typically when it's surrounding a new technology, you have all of that Silicon Valley startup kind of stuff going on. You know, people are raising money and, and the, the hope and dream of all these entrepreneurs, of course, is that they sell the business for a huge amount of money, you know, to some bigger company at some point down the road. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be our profile. It is both too risky mm -hmm. and to, to, you know, we don't have uh, enough I think we don't have enough business experience to even uh, start talking to people about uh, such a business. Normally, yeah. you don't have a, you know, a great, great, great technology idea, which we don't. Then you have to, to at least know what the business is going to be. Right. And, uh, at this moment, we don't have uh, enough, uh, uh, how do you say it? enough reputation mm -hmm. to approach investors and to ask for millions of dollars to start any kind of development. Right. You know? And so... And so new business startups are not something that I recommend usually anyway. That's why I talk to people about buying businesses. And so the, the next sort of uh, thing to look at when you look at your experience is to then ask, how can we use your experience to improve a business that you're able to buy? And, then, and this, of course, opens the door to a wide variety of businesses out there that have not applied, you know, technology and, and, and modern ways of doing things that could be purchased and then improved to, to make them perform better. Yeah, that would be a nice idea. Although, again, like I said, we don't know enough about uh, businesses to see how, how can we improve them. Mm. So, let me, let me ask you a few other questions and, and, and it might be difficult for you to answer these because you've only been in Canada for a week. But what is your first impression about the difference in how, you know, the society or the city seems to be functioning versus where you come from in Israel? Okay, actually we already have one. So the service is far, far better in anything whether it's a grocery store or I have been today to the school board, mm -hmm. it is far better than anything we have experienced. And while I don't know much about the school board in the service area, it does seem that uh, it comes mainly at expense of, uh, how do you say, expense of, uh, let, you know, the workers, the employees. I don't see, like what we used to see that uh, in supermarket you only find uh, like uh, new immigrants or or people that will soon leave to to some better jobs here in canada we see people working there probably for a long time mm -hmm. if i if i try to understand the age profile and maybe uh, uh, i don't know uh, is it allowed to say ethnical profile Anyway, I can see all kinds of people and I cannot say that uh, all of them are going to leave this uh, position soon. So Yeah, yeah, I would agree. So this is what we see so far. So so you're already starting to notice 
that there are different things in the sort of business and, and we'll call it the civic community, you know, just the, the life of, of people in the city. And here has, here's something, and over the years, I've worked with a lot of immigrants, people who have moved to Canada or the States and other countries. And here are some of the things that I have noticed over time is that people have a lot of assumptions and preconceived ideas based on where they, they used to live. And it sometimes takes quite a while before they start to notice all the differences that may not be as obvious as what you've already seen. Right. And, and I'll give you one, one example. I was, this was only a few months ago. I was talking with a fellow who is from Hong Kong and he was moving here where I live. So from a, from a bustling city with millions of people in a very small space to a small city of a little over a hundred thousand people spread out uh, over a big distance and a large area. And what, he said to me, as he said, I don't understand what, you know, where people would put a business. There's nobody, there's nobody out because of course in Hong Kong, the sidewalk is always crowded. And if you open a business on the street level, there are so many people going by that, that people are going to come into the store. And he didn't see that here. He didn't see the, the analogy of what he was used to. He didn't see sidewalks crowded with people. And you know, there are people here, it's just that they're in their cars. And so it's, it's, it's very different. And this is why a business in my city would want to locate itself, you know, by a highway with a lot of highway traffic for exposure versus maybe being on the main street. Right. And so oftentimes I recommend to people who move to a new country that buying a business immediately may not be the smartest thing to do because there are certain things that you may believe that, that you know, certain basic assumptions that you might have, which may not actually prove to be accurate in the new home. And so a lot of the times what I actually recommend is that when people move to a new country, they uh, take a job somewhere so that they have time to acclimatize and, and get a better understanding. <laughs> how business, uh, you know, how business functions and, and get a clearer idea of what opportunities may really be open to them uh, and what they can, what they can get into. Okay. Understood. Does, does that make sense to you? Uh, yes. It is a little bit uh, not what we have been planning, but, uh, but yes, it does make uh, sense. So, there's, there's, more, there's more information, though, that comes after that. So I would even say that you may want to look for something that is going to give you a certain degree of flexibility in your, in your life. And here's why. Um, as you become more acclimatized to your new home, you are then going to feel more comfortable going out and talking to people, exploring business opportunities. And I think you need to be open to the availability of doing business during business hours. So even though it may not be palatable or attractive, you may want to look for some kind of job 
so that you can get that cash flow, so you can get money coming in the door, that isn't necessarily a nine to five sort of job. So that you actually have some of those daytime business hours when the children are in school, that you could go and have appointments or or go and visit a business or or travel and do things like that. Okay. Yeah. And another thing that I would, I would often say to look for is look for something that gives you an opportunity to interact with Canadians for, for many reasons. Um, but number one, it'll allow you to practice your English, right? So you'll, you'll have interactions with people and get more used to, to speaking in English and improve your skills. Um, you'll learn which uh, hockey team you should be a fan of and which one not to. <laughs> right like the the whole point is to try to actively integrate so that so that you become more aware of what's going on more aware of what people are talking about what they're interested in and gain experience in being a part of a business in your new country so that so that you can start to see how things are done and how they may be done a little bit differently than what you're used to. And and while you're learning that stuff, you can begin your search for the business that fits the profile that we're going to work on right now, which, which I think, and I don't know what industry it's going to be in or what specific type of business it's going to be, but I think it's going to be a business that you identify, which has not been, taking advantage of new technology and new modern ways of doing things so that you can apply your skills to change that business and make it better. One, one of the common themes that keeps coming up that I, that I like to repeat a lot and it's in business buyer advantage is that you pay for a business based on what you get. So whatever the performance happens to be, the reason you buy it is because you can make it better. Right? Yes. Yeah. So, so given that, the next question would be is we have to start creating a list of characteristics or attributes that this business is going to have. And the first one we've already identified, that there's been a lack of technology implementation. The next thing that we can talk about is how big this business is going to have to be. So do you have an idea of what kind of seller's discretionary earnings you would need to have for or what kind of income basically do you need to have for your household? Uh, yeah, we have an idea, but uh, you know, it's kind of complex. Oh, one moment, I'm sorry. No, no problem. We have a full house of kids. <laughs> and one of them just came down. Okay, so anyway, uh, this is the situation we know approximately what kind of cash flow cash flow do we need for ourselves mm-hmm. and we can uh, from like you know from uh, this number we can know what kind of business we, we would like to buy but uh, if we buy it today it can be something bigger or it can be just one of uh, of the few businesses mm. if we buy it one year from now it will be significantly smaller business because we're going to have significantly less cash available. So this not, is kind of a strategic. Not if you start, not yeah. if you start bringing money in through employment. Uh, well, 
yes if we can uh, we will be able to you know to to make enough money as employees which i'm not completely sure about hmm. at least i didn't uh, even uh, bother to to check the market the you know the employment market the and so so what you were considering in in your when we arranged this call is you were considering what if i bought another kind of business that would be easier to acquire to create the cash flow in the immediate time frame yeah the this is the the thing i was thinking about there there are you know all kinds of uh, small businesses available actually the the supply seems to be quite high even online and there are a few that seem to match I don't know to almost match the cash flow that uh, that we need. Mm. What kinds of businesses are you seeing? Can you uh, give I'm me an example. Mainly about restaurants. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Oh, Dave, I'm sorry. One second. Sure. We got a delivery, and uh, the three-year-old guy opened the door. <laughs> so. So here is the here is the, the the challenge that you are going to run into if you go and you start to look at businesses like a restaurant is that yes um, food service can be quite lucrative um, if the volume is there the, the the other challenge though is specific to your situation in the in the fact that you're a new immigrant to the country um many people who are trying to sell a business are specifically looking for you as a buyer uh, and 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 i've i've seen this and had many many people um across the country who've who've had this situation um, there is a belief that people who are immigrating into the country are people with a lot of money. And so what you are going to run into is a lot of people who are trying to take advantage of the fact that they believe that you have a lot of money and you need to buy a business in order to secure your citizenship. And so, so the prices go higher. Well, they tend to. Yeah. And, and the, the other challenge though, is that to make a fair deal between a buyer and a seller, there has to be a relationship. There has to be um, an understanding between the two people. And oftentimes this takes the form of the seller seeing the buyer as being a person much like themselves, except maybe younger. Okay. And when somebody says, I want to sell my business and I want to sell it for the most amount of money possible, and then they meet a business broker who says, oh, your business would be perfect for someone who's an immigrant. Well, then, then instead of humanizing the buyer, what they're doing is they're objectifying them. They're, they're looking at them as a giant wallet. You know, this, this big giant walking checkbook who's going to make them rich. And you can start to work on trying to create that relationship to work towards getting, you know, a fair deal for the business. The problem is, is that there will be a lot of competition because there, there are other people who are in the same boat as you who have that same plan. Who are, who, and some of the times they're willing to pay more than they really should for the business. 
And a lot of the times when you're talking about a business like a restaurant, what comes along with that are, is not the standard 40 hour work week. It's a lot more time. And so I, I just wouldn't want to see you get caught into a situation where you end up having to pay a lot of money for the business and then you end up, you know, spending all of your time there. It's, it's, it's something I've seen many people fall into. All right. And, and as, as I, I just want to make sure you're warned. Yeah, we definitely are warned. And okay. So, so, so what's next? So if, if that's the plan you want to pursue, then I would say that you want to start making contact with some of those brokers who have those businesses for sale or some of the business owners. But I would also say that you want to start working on some networking activity. So um, you've immigrated from Israel. Have you, uh, do you normally go to synagogue? Is that something that you'll be doing in Canada? Uh, actually, actually we don't. We didn't even plan to start, but uh, but we will find you know I don't know clubs. Maybe mm-hmm. the, the the there is a way to to approach the all the Israeli community. They they have I don't know hundreds of thousands of people in Vaughan, uh, Toronto, Thornhill, you know mm-hmm. this area. Uh, yeah, we can talk to them. Although I would prefer to to have uh, local ties. Like I don't know, we came here not to to keep being Israelis? Well, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily that you want to make contact with other Israelis, but the people I find that are the most sympathetic to your situation are other immigrants who came before, yeah. even though they may not be from Israel, right? And so you want to open yourself up to some way of making friends in the local community. And so one of the things that I would suggest is that you start looking around for a service club. So this would be clubs like Kiwanis, Rotary, Progress Club. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm not really familiar. I, I heard the names on one of your YouTube uh, videos. Mm-hmm. I even Google a few of them. But uh, yeah, I will have to, to approach them. So a, a service club... The, the mandate of a service club is to do projects in the community that help the community. So, you know, it would be things like they decide to raise money to build a playground for children or something like that. And what you're looking for, and, and there are many of them, and they all, they all tend to attract slightly different groups of people. So the people who would become a member of the local Lions Club would be a different kind of crowd than the people who would be in the local Rotary Club. And so what you want to do is you want to make contact with a couple of these clubs and go and visit them for one of their meetings. They're always looking for members, so they'll they'll welcome you to come. And a lot of them will meet for lunch or they'll meet for breakfast or, or something like that. And you're looking for a club that is made up of small business owners and professionals. People like lawyers, accountants, um, chiropractors, small business owners, sales representatives for big companies, people like this. Because what you'll be able to do by joining a club like that is you'll be able to start to make friendships and connections in the community. And they will be people who are connected to many other business owners. 
So it's going to do two things for you. Number one, you could end up actually meeting someone who knows of a business that may be for sale. That's the first thing. But the second thing is, is it can help fast track your discovery of qualified advisors or, or there could be people in the group itself who could be people that could help you out with, you know, learning more about the local economy or about which, you know, law offices are the best ones for certain types of work and things like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So this is understood. Um, what about the possibility of starting up some small operation, you know, to gain experience and connections and whatever? Um, I, I think that that is almost the same as taking a job somewhere, except with one big disadvantage is that if you start some kind of business on the side, then you're going to have to be the one that tries and creates the sales and finds the customers, et cetera. Whereas if you, if you take a job, you know, using your example, even if you took a job at the grocery store, right? Yes. You don't have to worry about any of that. You're just selling your time, but you're putting yourself in a position where you can learn. And, you know, maybe you're not there for very long. Maybe you get another better job, you know, relatively quickly, but the risk is far reduced. Because you, you could start a small little business on the side and maybe you have to put some money into it and it takes quite a while before sales start to come and maybe it's never successful at all, right? So there's just a lot of unknowns about that. Um, outside of, you know, I've met people who've done things. I, I don't even really call it a business. I call it trading. So, you know, someone will start going to the auction where they sell cars at wholesale and then they'll start reselling cars or something like that. And it's, it can be a way for them to make a little bit of money, but I, I don't think you'll get the opportunities to learn about how business is being done as well as if you worked in a business somewhere. So what you're saying is that, I don't know, being in the grocery store may be enough to understand how business is done. Isn't it too far away from the actual business? No, it'll give you a chance to meet some people it'll give you a chance to observe and work on your English. Right. Yeah. And, and it also, the other advantage is it will probably give you an opportunity to work in the evenings or on the weekends. So that you have business hours for free available to go and look at businesses that might be for sale to work on these other things. Okay. Yeah. The, the, and there's nothing glamorous about this plan. There's nothing exciting about this plan. Um, but the, I'll tell you that the people that I've seen really succeed who are, who are newcomers to Canada are, are people who as quickly as possible learn to become Canadian and integrate. And, you know, there's this one guy I helped him buy a corner store and he would um, work in there himself. And he, he did everything he could to try to um, talk to people and joke around with people. And a year later he sold that store to somebody else who was a newcomer. And 
it was amazing. His language has improved. His, you know, all of a sudden he became a hockey fan and he knew who all the players were. And, you know, he, he really was able to integrate himself into understanding business and he sold that corner store and he went and ended up buying uh, some kind of distributor or wholesale business. So a much bigger business. And before he bought the corner store, he worked in a grocery store. And so it's almost like a progression and each step builds upon the next because the, the last thing you want to do is to end up in a situation where you're doing things in your business that aren't helping you and you don't know that you're doing the wrong things. Okay. I don't know if I explained that clearly enough. Yeah. I've, I've seen that too many times um, where someone will arrive, a newcomer, they'll arrive, they'll start a business or they'll buy a business and they'll start doing things that are common business practices where they come from and they end up turning off customers. And they end up they end up in a in a very poor position because they they've done things that that customers don't like. Interesting. What what kind of things? Well, I'll give you an example. Um, I was in a I was in a meeting once doing a presentation with a group of newcomers, and they were from many different countries. There were people from Eastern Europe, and there were people from Asian countries, and uh, even a couple of African people, and um, one of the guys raised his hand and he said, is there any money in convenience stores? And I said, that's a great question. And then I, I pointed out the fact that there is a multi-billion dollar international company that operates around the world. It's based in Quebec called Couchetard and they own many different brands and Circle K is one of them. Okay. So they literally own tens of thousands of corner stores around the world. And they actively go after opportunities to take over the convenience store operations of gas station re retailers. So I said, I said, here's an example of a multi-billion dollar publicly traded company that is actively trying to take over corner store operations internationally. So is there money in corner stores? Absolutely, there must be. Now, the question is, what kind of corner store is there money in? Where can we make money? Because what I've personally seen is I've seen people come from a new country. Let's say someone moves from Asia. They come over to Canada. They buy a corner store, but they buy uh, a, a corner store that's in an older part of town. And in, it's, a, it's a storefront that's in an older building. And it's got low ceilings. And, you know, the floor has cracks in it. And you know, the, the way that it's presented and the way that it appears, it's not attractive, but the person who moved here, who bought the store, they believe that customers want low prices because that's the way they, that's what they want when they go shopping and that in the culture they come from, that's what's important is low prices, right? And so they buy a store like that because it's cheaper and because it's in an older building, the rent is less. And so they can charge lower prices and they believe that they're delivering what the customer wants. Meantime, all kinds of people are driving right past their store to go to a big new gas station, which has 10 foot ceilings and big glass panes in the front that lets in lots of natural light. 
and there's lots of space and they're baking fresh bread at the back and they've got all of these nice amenities and the prices are in some cases 30, 40, 50% higher than in the little corner store. But people are still preferring to go to that new building, right? Because price isn't actually what most people are interested in. Most people are interested in the experience. But that sounds like something that could be, you know, could be avoided with a good advice. It, it could be. It could be avoided with good advice. Um, it can also be avoided just with a little bit of experience in, in observing what people in the market are doing and, and where they go and, what and seeing what people find important and, and what they're after. And so the longer you're in the community, the more this kind of thing is going to become obvious to you through your observations and your own experiences going around in different businesses and seeing, seeing what's happening in them. Okay. Okay. Understood. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not telling you not to look at a business. I'm just telling you that you would benefit from taking a more measured approach because, you know, businesses are very illiquid assets. And if you, let's say you found a business next week and you bought it. If it turned out that for whatever reason you then didn't want that business anymore, it could take you years to sell it. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Um, um, so maybe, maybe the risk could be reduced by, I don't know, buying something very, very small. Oh, but then they, if it's so small, then I have to work in all of them. No. Well, you know, it's, it's really, I mean, we're speculating about different ideas of, of what could be out there. Um, when you find something that you think is good, then you should contact me and we'll look at it together. Um, I'm, I'm um, just trying to relate to you what, what I've seen other people go through and the, the things that I've seen people do that have been, that have led to success and the, and the things that have led to, to some poorer outcomes. Like <clears throat> there was a guy here, he came into town and he bought an old restaurant and he renovated it and it was a really cool concept. It was one of these uh, Japanese sushi places with a conveyor belt that goes all through the restaurant and people just would take plates off the conveyor belt. The, the problem he ran into though is that he did an interview for the local newspaper before he was open. And so he had this tremendous opportunity of publicity that came out. And I heard people talking all over the place about this place, about this new restaurant. But he wasn't. And by the time he opened, the, the buzz or the awareness had died off. And so, you know, an, a more experienced restaurateur in my marketplace probably would have refused to meet with the newspaper until after he was open knowing what the value and the publicity would have been. And, and I mean, that's just a little, that's just a little sort of insight that I think you would, you, people gather through, through experience. And what's unfortunate for that guy with the sushi restaurant is 
he was open for about six months. And I did hear from a few people who had gone there who really liked the food and they really liked the concept. Um, but unfortunately he wasn't able to make a go of it. Now that was a new business and we're not talking about a new business. We're talking about you buying an existing one. So hopefully that wouldn't be the challenge because you'd already have already have sales in place. Okay. Although again, this is uh, clearly something that uh, just an advice would, uh, would completely solve. It could be. Yeah. Though I, I understand the idea that uh, I will not always know what advice advice to ask. So experience is uh, is important as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So of, let me ask you then: of the businesses that you've seen advertised for sale, which ones have stood out to you as good opportunities? And 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 can you tell me a little bit more about some of them? Or maybe yeah. the, the, there is one we are going to meet uh, the broker next week. Mm -hmm. It's a restaurant, uh, both because of uh, relatively, I don't know, I don't want to say cheap, but uh, achievable price. Mm -hmm. And it's located not very far from where we stay now. Though it's, type, what type of food do they serve? Uh, one second. Let me let me just find the the presentation. Financial statement come first. <laughs> All right. So so they serve uh, uh, like uh, German national food. Okay. You know uh, steaks and. Uh, and stuff like this schnitzel and things like that yes mm -hmm. Bur hamburgers of course and uh, yeah it's uh, not a big one um, about uh, 80 seats and uh, i don't know I, I have the financial statement in front of me so what what is the revenue yeah so the revenue two years ago was uh, one second. It was almost two hundred thousand dollars. No, it, it, this is the 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 revenue was eight hundred thousand approximately, mm -hmm. and uh, it went slightly up uh, in uh, two thousand eighteen, and then the SDE was. Roughly one hundred eighty thousand mm dollars. -hmm. So the numbers kind of make sense. By the way, uh, I saw I saw adv advertisements from the same broker, and they all look aligned to to what you tell uh, on the, on the business buyer advantage course. Okay. Right about more or less same multiples and price and and the same. So it looks like they did the the homework. Uh, well do do you have any experience running a restaurant me no marina here has a little bit of it mm -hmm. but uh, definitely we're going to to pass through a relatively long learning curve have you eaten there yet not yet next week okay so 
so I would, uh, I would recommend you go eat there. Obviously it's, you know, this is confidential, so you don't let anyone know that it's for sale or whatnot, but, um, go there, eat there with your family and imagine what it would be like to work with the people that you meet there, the, the employees and look at who the clientele is and, and see if you can see if your idea of your own self image is going to match up with being in that environment. Okay. We'll do that. Because you have to be able to see yourself in the business and that it's going to be at least interesting to you because this is, this is a commitment that is likely going to be something you have to do for years. Right. Yeah. So go check it out. The, the restaurant business is a very tough one. Um, and if you do end up buying it, I'll, I'll, I'll connect you with someone that I know who owns, um, he owns three restaurants right now. He's owned up to five at one time. Um, and he can give you some consulting advice about some of the things you need to make sure that you have in place. Restaurants is one of those industries where if you don't have the proper management controls in place, uh, it's very easy, of course, for employees and, you know, to start stealing from you. Okay. But, but again, it, uh, I mean, not having th those management systems is an obvious problem, but uh, having them does not sound so, you know, so complex. It should be quite common knowledge, at least among the owners. Well, you would be surprised. Um, a lot of the times the way that the owners manage those problems is by, by being present or having a family member present. It's, it's actually not a lot of restaurants of the size you're talking about um, would necessarily be managed with all of the controls and systems in place. Like if you, you know, the ultimate in systematized rest, you know, food business would be something like a McDonald's, right? Yeah. Where everything is counted and computerized and tracked and all this kind of sort of thing. A lot of family run businesses don't have a lot of that technology in place. And you know what, this, maybe this is some, in some way fits that first criteria that we laid out of looking for a business that could take advantage of technology. Yes. Actually, even before the technology, it sounds like almost, you know, any kind of family run restaurant would be an opportunity just to implement those. Okay. I'm not, I'm not flattering your, your course about uh, the business systems. Right, so so if we find one that uh, looks good, feels good, but is run by family, then uh, that would be a solution. Yeah, because then you just implement all this common knowledge, at least uh, amongst the, the more serious restaurants, and you get a better business than in, than it was before. the The biggest um, the biggest challenge with something like a restaurant is that there, when you plan your menu there's what they call the theoretical food cost. So you, you estimate what the cost of the food is on the plate that you serve to someone. And then you 
you know what kind of margin you need to make. And so you set your menu price based on that so that you get a proper margin. And, and if hopefully the volume is high enough that you cover your overheads. And so what happens is when the business is actually operating, the true food cost is never what the theoretical was because somebody drops something on the floor or somebody complains about something being too spicy and the waiter replaces it with a new meal. There's always other things that happen or, or employees make their own lunch and don't pay for it. You know, there's always things that happen that, that make the true costs vary from what it is supposed to be theoretically. And so success in, in food service is all about the accurate tracking of the true costs to make sure that it's in line with what it should be. And, and it's amazing how many restaurants I've looked at and how many restaurateurs I've met who don't actually do that. That's, but again, for someone with an IT background, it, it should be something that you'll be able to do. Yeah, I, I definitely think we were able to do it. Mm. Well, that's that's good. Um, any anything else that we can we can cover? Uh, mm, I think we have enough. I think we have enough information for now. We are going to anyway enroll to the to the adventure. Probably next week when the kids will go to school. Oh, great. We will see you there and we will definitely come back for more questions. Awesome. Well, I want to thank the both of you, Greg and Marina, for, for enrolling in Business Buyer Advantage and for taking advantage of this call. Because you know, for everyone who arranges a call and asks certain questions, there's somebody out there who's probably in a similar situation. And, um, and my whole mission is to share this knowledge uh, to help people avoid bad deals. Well, this is great. This is great that you have a mission and the mission itself is great as well. Awesome. Well, welcome to Canada and um, uh, I hope you have a happy holiday season. Thank you very much. Happy holidays to you too. See you later. Thank you. All right.